0: Talk and Power, your motorsport and motoring radio show. Now on 88.5 FM, The Valley Comes Alive. And podcasting across iTunes and talkandpower.com.au. Welcome to the Talk and Power
1: 621 2019 All Time Episode.
2: Welcome to this special episode of the Talking Power podcast. This is the best of 2019. I've got Simon Gonzo-Travelini here and Todd Brinkworth. Thanks for joining us, guys. Thanks, Nick. No worries, Nick. We're going to walk through the year that that was, and we'll start off with... Uh, this is... In, well, it does go in a, I will say in a particular order. I was going to say no particular order, but this is like in ranking of our highest rating episodes. Now, in the number six spot, we caught up at Barberella Raceway with... Brad Jones racing, Brad Jones of Brad Jones Racing, Aldo Di Paoli, and Dick Johnson. Let's have a listen into that interview and some of the stuff that we we talked about at the V8 Supercar round at Barbe Gala Raceway.
1: The supercars,
2: Nick. Yes, I heard uh, that you got some top interviews. Yeah, we got some. We got some. I'm, I'm hanging out to here. hear that. They're only short. Yeah. They're very, very short. So yeah, the, the Dick Johnson one's probably just a brief. I'll call it a doorstop because that's that's the only way I could get to talking. was a doorstop.
1: Now like, I also heard. I don't know if this is true or not, but I heard that uh, there was a Roger Penske
2: interview. No, well, there's no. I, I spoke with him, but I didn't get an interview. Did on, you get it? Did you get the Scotty McLaughlin? <laughs> yeah, I got the Scotty McLaughlin handshake. the odds guy. straight past. That was interesting. I did see that on TV uh, in, in, at the track. Actually, they were showing that again. So, no. Nah. <laughs> Look, it was a great weekend. If you if you haven't heard about it, go to our website, and I've written a little blog there about the whole the whole weekend. But it was an absolutely magnificent weekend. Now, we, were, we should mention, you know, the WA Sporting Car Club, Supercars and the WA Government, the Tourism Bureau have done a magnificent job. Just need to see more promotion of this event in the eastern states. I spoke with a few people over in the east and they weren't really aware of, of this event. So, I mean, to get the tourism here and the people here, we just probably need to do a little bit more work there. But the event itself was magnificent. I know we had concerns about lighting and of the infrastructure and the toilet facilities. That was really good. Done very well. Done very well. And getting in and out of the track as well was really easy. Helps if you stay till after the race and watch the GT series as well. That was magnificent. Um, and that, that I was able to leave. No problem at all. So The GT under lights, that would have been awesome. That was wild. That was good. That was good.
1: So... Do you think the uh, the parody issue is going to raise its ugly head again? I don't oh. think
2: so. No, I think I think we've heard the end of that now. I think that's been put to bed. So the the rear wing has worked really well on the Mustangs. It slowed the Commodores down just fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so the thing is though, right? Can you imagine poor old Scotty McLaughlin,
1: right? And, and Fabian. Yeah. Um. They have worked their asses off. You know. You can you can really see the enthusiasm this year. Mm. Um and they they want to be at the pointy end they really want to win as much as they can and they're succeeding in that Mm. and everyone's saying oh it's the car
2: yeah yeah that's a bit it's a bit of a kick in the teeth really well look it 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 may it may have been but the changes that we saw to slow them down had no impact at all because if anything it's elevated chas mostit and cam waters as they had podium positions on both knots. Look, we spoke with Dick Johnson, let's just have a listen to what he had to say about the whole issue. Thanks. Dick, Nick from the Talking Power podcast, thanks for joining us.
3: Sure. Welcome back to Western Australia. Um, you've been here many years, um, how are things going? Yeah, not too bad mate, they've obviously done a lot of improvements, certainly to the surface of the racetrack. it's been resurfaced and, uh, and everything's going really well. The elephant in the room will
2: ask it, the rear wing changes, has it affected you guys much?
3: Mate don't ask me, I don't know any of that crap you know, you might as well go and ask the engineers, they're the ones that tell you that. No, no worries, no worries. And I see Rogers in town as well this, this week, great to have him on board. Yeah he comes over to Perth uh, pretty much every year because he has a lot of business interests over here and, and uh, he, he does a lot of interaction with his customers and that so uh, but it's always great to have him around the race team, and he really loves this series. He really does. I can see that. I mean, yeah, he's he's certainly engaged with this series, and you guys are doing really well. Hey, look, Dick,
2: we'll let you get back to it, and thanks for joining us on the podcast. My pleasure, mate. Cheers. Take
1: care. So, so, um, so what you're sort of suggesting, and what I gathered there that the under the undertones there is that maybe the supercars should have given the Fords a bigger wing to slow them down. (laughs) It would appear that way, wouldn't it? It's It's just kind of... I remember this happening to John Zapier. (laughs) Do you remember when they made him shorten his wing? Yeah. (laughs) And he went faster. (laughs) Right. (laughs) What were the guys thinking? Of course, if you take away the the drag, it's going to go
4: faster. (laughs)
2: <laughs> Look, Scotty, what I really liked about this on Friday night in qualifying, Scotty laid down the gauntlet. And, and the the 888, I don't know, he'd, he'd laid down a fast time, the track record, I might add. Uh, not the overall record, Gary Westler uh, has that, but Scotty had the track record. Um, 52-9, I think it was. Didn't really need to go out again. Win Cup and Van Gisbergen weren't likely to to run that sort of number. Um, but Scotty asked for another set of ties and went out again and betted that time once again. So really cemented, and psychologically, I don't know, I don't think it played any part against Triple Eight, but it certainly, laid down a time and it was really great to be there actually. It was uh, quite, quite. that was Friday afternoon actually. Do you, do you think this format's working?
1: Because I, I do hear a lot of teams complain that having 15 minutes to
2: service the car didn't really you know work for them no i don't think so either and it was a bit confusing for the crowd as well so the qualifying worked that the 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 bottom 15 from practice went out in the first qualifying section and session and only the top 10 would move on to the next qualifying session does that make sense yeah yeah (laughs) <laughs> but it was it was confusing for the crowd. They probably didn't understand why five cars were moved on or didn't didn't progress. It sounds like a Thunder
1: four hundred system.
2: Yeah, well, or so- well, it's very Formula One issue. I'm about well. to say you're the weakest link, goodbye. <laughs> three round format or something. <laughs> round <laughs> robin. So yeah, and then the, the cars, you know, the, and that was probably for the Friday. That was probably my only criticism of the event was that that was Friday afternoon, still not a lot of people there yet for qualifying on Friday. So that would be, if anything, the sounds time. just like Thunder Four Hundred. Yeah. Isn't it? <laughs> anyway, let's go on. We'll move on. We'll move on. Yeah, I reckon that's all going to be edited out anyway. <laughs> so Friday night, we moved on to Friday night. Now, just to to, to touch uh, Super Twos as well. They were magnificent. The Super Two guys were were really good. We put on a great show. I, I really enjoyed that. They were in the twilight of the evening, so coming down the back straight, the sun <laughs> <Do-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. laughs> the sun was terrible, absolutely terrible. Like had straight through the straight through the windshield. But you know like, it was like, prob- like veteran
1: going up Pikes Peak one handed. <laughs> yeah, that that's sort of-, <laughs> of. If you have never seen that, you should look up the hill hill dance. Not climb dance. Cloud Dance. No, climb Dance. Climb Dance. Ari Vatnan. Ari, Ari, Ari Vatnan. Yeah. In an Audi? Peugeot. Peugeot. Oh, sorry, Peugeot 206?
2: Oh, shot down. <laughs> 206
4: or um, 201 or something? Two Either two, 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 206 or a 406 T16. Anyway, there you go. I It doesn't in mean a lot. It doesn't mean anything. Anyway, to he, that he, record's he, been
2: smashed by an electric car. He, he, God...
1: On. So things like
4: that, Nick. And let's just add, on a <laughs> bitumen. Yes, the yes. whole track is now Yes, yeah, so, There's so. Left. He
1: set that record a long, long time ago. Sideways. Yeah, it was sideways for the whole. On dirt. And, and the Yanks were so upset, they built the most ridiculous machines to try and. And, and they, they used uh, the dirt binder, and they still couldn't
2: beat him. And it wasn't until they bitumized that track. D- didn't they do that film to, to David Bowie's? Jeez, um, what's that song called? No. David Bowie's. No, no, they no. no. they was done to a classical
4: piece, I believe. Yeah, correct. correct. Also, music. There was the rest was car noise.
2: They've also done it to. Um... No, you're wrong.
4: And you're going to say David Bowie? We could be heroes, aren't you? No,
2: no, it wasn't that. <laughs> it wasn't that corny. It was a good song. It was one of Is his that songs that-, that. song. Yes, he did, but yeah. he, he, it was it was a good song. It was one of his good... It was a good... So, yeah, the Super 2s coming down the hill, and i take my hat off to those guys, but that was really great atmosphere for the Super 2s at the twilight. It's getting dark. My only criticism, too, now, would be... <laughs> my would be, only... <laughs> would be heading into... The, we had an hour break between the Super 2s and the, the starting of the supercars. I think that was a little bit long. We could have had this guy that we're about to talk to... Aldo Di Paoli come out in the historic touring cars were absolutely magnificent. So and, you... and do burnouts around the track. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> now you were telling us about Aldo Di Paoli. Yeah, De Paoli. So let's just catch up with Aldo here. We had a quick quick interview with him. Okay, I'm here with Aldo Di Paoli. Aldo, what a magnificent race, and thanks for joining us on the Talking Talk and
0: Power podcast. Yeah, thanks Nick. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah, no, we had a good run.
2: Well, I think we need to explain to our listeners. Um, you came from last to first.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we had ten laps. So rear field, uh, yep, and in ten laps we got the job done. And then plus in between there, I think it was a forty-second um, uh, delay from fifty percent of the field. Yeah, that,
2: so. that's the other important thing I should have mentioned. That's right. It was forty seconds. So the other, the rest of the field had uh, was already around uh, to almost a cold and you were just getting going. So is that something you do often? Like uh, coming from last to first, or was it was an amazing
0: run no no we've uh, look we only got the car last year so um we grabbed the car did a bit of racing over east and come back and um so we're still really trying to find our feet with it and um you've been really lucky we use matt here at a um, ams um racing matt looks after a lot of our stuff and you know matt's worked with us today and yeah so i mean look it's a good car it's a well sort of car and we're lucky to be uh, steering on i suppose yeah
2: well not just steering it you're also drifting it as well that last night was awesome
0: yeah, oh look, I mean, you got to do it for the crowd, don't you? You know, that's what we enjoy, and uh, look, and I enjoy, it, you know, a, a bit of a taily sort of car. So, yeah, and I think the crowd like it, the young kids like it. It goes back to the roots of the sport, doesn't it?
2: It certainly does. I think everyone likes it, Eldo. I don't think, and I'm really. Uh, it would have been nice to have you guys on a little bit later on, and so you could be right in front of the crowd, because I, I think everyone that was that I was with really enjoyed that.
0: Yeah, no, it's good, and and look, it's always appreciative to uh, to hear that, and it's good to see the young kids when you when you come in, and uh, they all uh, have a bit of a laugh at uh, at you know what it is and the age of the cars, and yeah, I mean, look, and they're hard to a point to steer, you know, they have got drum brakes at the back, they have got do so they're really a period car, so you know, once you sort of dial them in, it's it's about nurturing them, and um, and you know they do fade away pretty quick, so you've always got to be on, you know, so you're constantly pumping the brakes up to get a brake pedal and. Yeah, look, it's, it's fun. We should probably explain. It's a 67 Camaro, that well, one? She, she's a 69 Camaro. Yep, 69 Camaro, 350 Chev, nothing special. Um, you know, standard Muncie gearbox, four-speed, um, standard, um, you know, the 12-bolt uh, um, Chev diff in them, drum brakes at the rear, discs at the front, um, and that's it. You know, just hop in and wheel it and have some fun.
2: It's an awesome car to watch. Aldo, look, I really appreciate your time on the podcast. Thanks for joining us. And uh, we hope to see a lot more of you in the future.
0: Thanks very much, Nick. Appreciate it. Hey, look, just to finish off with the
2: supercars. So, yeah, the, as, um, we actually caught up with Brad Jones as well. and he had a, we'll, we'll talk a bit about track resurfacing. He had a bit to say about the track resurfacing. So let's just listen to Brad Jones here. Hey, I'm with Brad Jones from Brad Jones Racing. Brad, thanks for joining us today. No
3: worries. No trouble, Nick. Brad, um...
2: The resurface of the Barbagallo surface, how's that? Um, I mean, obviously it's helped you. Um, you're surprised by how slick it is now, how
3: quick it is? Um, I, uh, yeah, certainly, uh, you know, sped the whole thing up. It's quite an interesting texture that they've put down here, where um, I don't think we've quite seen the sort of grip that we, you know, we saw at Bathurst when they resurfaced it or Tail and Bend. So I think it's a, a very different mix of material. So, um, but the other thing is over here, it seems to weather pretty harshly, so hopefully there'll be some longevity in the surface that they've put down. Yeah, certainly, I think the last resurface here was probably in the late
2: 90s, and you're right, it did weather pretty significantly a few years after that. Tell us, just in that last practice session, a bit a couple of hours ago, would you have got much from that practice? Given that we're racing two night sessions here.
3: Ah, uh, yeah. Well, look, we're going to be qualifying in a little while, so I think that you know that practice session's all about about qualifying and and um, and and getting on top of things. So I think any time you run the car, you learn a little bit. Um, we just need to, you know, tonight is very different. There's no sun. The place is a lot cooler. Um, you know, we were expecting very little degradation from the new surface but turns out there is some so um you know you learn a little bit but it's you know it's probably not as as ideal as last night was. No no worries. I look Brad, we'll let you get back to it anyway and uh thanks for joining us on the podcast. No worries, thanks Nick, thanks for having me along.
2: All right, that was awesome to have those guys on board Um, at Barbagello, and really enjoyed my weekend there with my media pass. Got around everywhere. It was awesome to do. Did you? Everywhere. Everywhere. Yep.
1: Sounds nice.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Hey, coming in at number five spot, we caught up with Mark Greenham. He came in the studio, sat right there. He was winner of Targa Southwest and Targa Bunbury. Anything else did he win? What else did he win this year? I think he, he won the ended up taking the out the well.
4: championship, like the Targa championship overall. WA championship. Yeah, in yeah. the Targa series and <laughs> a few sprint rounds and some other things. Yeah, so, okay. yeah, and basically, yeah, Targa West. We've all heard that podcast as well. It's mm. a bad weekend, unfortunately. Yeah. Yep, for him or for you? No, for him. Yeah, he had all What about
1: for time. you? Was it a good weekend?
4: <laughs> yes or <Yeah. and> no. <laughs> it was with me, so... Yeah. A good <laughs> <laughs> that freezing cold. Anyway, we'll get to that later. Or you listen to the podcast, listen, you whinge about that, being freezing cold that whole weekend.
2: <laughs> anyway, we caught up with Mark. Let's have a listen in to our interview with Mark this year. Okay, episode 62 of the Talking Power podcast. And as promised, we've got with us Mark Greenham. Mark, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. Winner, we should probably introduce you formally. Yeah, we should. just Mark, Graham. (laughs) Winner of Targa Southwest, and hopefully
5: going to improve on that third spot at Targa West this year. Yeah, that would be nice, wouldn't it? I mean, Targa Southwest is... Been pretty good to us over the years. Um, I I've, think I've won three of them now. But every time we uh, try and get that uh, the big one, the four-day event, we uh, have something uh, always pops up and works against us. But uh, we did have our best result last year, uh, coming third uh, with Steph. Even though um, I think we dropped down to about ninth or tenth on the second early in the second day and had to fight our way back. But um, no, hopefully, uh, if we, I think, if we just have. Uh, a good smooth run at, um, at uh, Target West, um, we'll be doing all right. But, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see if we get there first. It's still, uh, I think it's, what, 11 weeks away now, I think? So counting 10 down. Weeks. This man's yeah. counting it
4: down. No, yeah. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, Mark, so Target South West, I mean, I saw a bit of you racing down there. Um, and I believe you had to correct me on a mistake that I made about the, the event.
5: Oh yeah, uh, yeah. We're driving a, an Evo nine. Not a uh, 7, okay, yeah, but, yeah. It's close enough.
4: I should take my f- my shoes off the count as well, or was that the problem? So, yeah.
5: Um, but yeah, no. I saw you down there running around, and um, there's a nice uh, Evo jumper you're wearing there as well. Maybe if you look down on the front of it, got every evolution of Evo there. Too. Yeah. Not that we can see it on the podcast, but uh, Todd's wearing those one of those uh, Mitsubishi Evo uh, hoodies.
4: Living the fanboy dream. Yeah, you know baby. how it goes. <laughs> Probably cost more than the car. So, um, yeah, like the take us southwest, take us through the the highlight, highlights, the lowlights, you know, last day sort of drama, because I saw you had a sort of mixed weekend.
5: Yeah, well, it started out um, on a pretty. Um, a down note to be honest I mean we were lined up ready to go out uh, for SS1, that's Big Brook Dam where we start um, just sort of in the town of Pemberton you head up towards Big Brook it's a very tight, twisty and technical little stage it's quite a baptism of fire to be honest for especially for new crews it's quite a, a complicated little course and unfortunately, we had another competitor um, run off the road about five or six cars ahead of us. Um, so yeah, you know, we're sitting there all sort of lined up, ready to go. And um, you know, you see all the crew and that, and all the officials do the, the do the sort of you know, kill the stage kind of thing, and uh, all the um, ambulances and and um, emergency crews sort of file out. And uh, yeah, that's uh, it's not a nice, not a nice feeling. Um, and uh, yeah, unfortunately, it was a, it was a big one, a uh, big uh, incident. Um, fortunately, both uh, both the crew are recovering, recovering well. Um, I've been uh, in contact with the driver, and he's he's doing well as far as best can be expected. He's already flipping through the Demon Tweaks catalogue, uh, looking for new car parts. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so um, I can relate to that. Um, yeah so so yeah that um yeah so uh not a not a great way to start so uh in the end uh they they cancelled those first four stages on that Titan uh twisty stage and um so it was straight out to the uh, pemberton northcliffe stage which is a very 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 quick tarmac rally stage in fact i'd say it's arguably probably the quickest in australia even with the 200 kilometer an hour uh, speed limit so, um and it was nice and, and damp as well, which made it extra extra fun, extra exciting, extra um yeah. I um, was definitely gripping the steering wheel pretty hard those first couple of runs through. Um but um yeah it it, it worked out. We just sort of eased ourselves into it into the uh, first couple of stages, um, and then sort of built up our pace from there. And um yeah, it was going pretty good.
4: Was oh, good. So and then I saw you sort of race that afternoon, and you sort of just kept on the pace most of the afternoon and then I believe Sunday you're into a few dramas, but you
5: managed to hold them at bay and we'll take the weekend home. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that So, we were in a reasonably close fight with Will White early on in the piece, um, and um, we lost a little bit of time to him in the first couple and then made up a bit in the second couple. Will was also having uh, some technical dramas of his own uh, with his engine. Um, I think we hooded him on the fifth stage, but uh, then we found out that uh, we got handed a whole bunch of speeding penalties. So I think he he does have a limiter on that car, but I'm not sure it was calibrated properly. They changed some gear ratios and that sort of thing, and that um, um, obviously that wasn't quite uh, didn't go quite to plan for him. Uh, and once we found out he had about 40 odd seconds of penalties, after that we just sort of yeah drove him kind of conservation mode. So you, you're not. Yeah, I mean you're not backing right off, obviously, but you're not taking any sort of unnecessary risks, and you're just sort of looking at uh, the sorts of times that he's doing, and just maintaining, make sure you maintain that gap uh, for the rest of the afternoon. Uh, yeah, so that was the Saturday, uh, and on the Sunday um, we do seven stages. So we do four stages through the town of Pemberton and three up Pump Hill, which is just around the corner as well. It's a short little sprint stage, and they just they run them one after another, so there's no service. Once you start on Sunday, you, that's it. You do seven stages in a row. There's very little time in between stages to do anything if anything goes wrong. And um, yeah, straight into the I think it was the the third stage. So that was the second run on, on um, Pemberton. We just hit a rough rough patch of the road. So there are a couple of spots in in the Pemberton downstage so that are a little bit rough. And uh, we broke. We didn't know it at the time, but we broke the uh, right front strut. So we heard a big whack, and the uh, the car was suddenly pointed in you know, odd directions and crabbing up the road and wouldn't break and was scraping on the ground. We didn't really know what was going on. We knew all four wheels were still on the car. And uh, so there was a bit of a panic after the end of the um, end of that stage and we all jumped out and had a bit of a look. The Race Talk crew um, got underneath the car and said, yeah, look, the strut's gone. And I just look as will the wheel fall off? And they said, no. <laughs> it was sort of like a 90, maybe 90% commitment, but uh, just left a little bit of like, room there, um, just in case uh, something went wrong, and um, they said, look, you'd, I, I think you'll be fine, you're not losing that much time driving on it, so just keep going, and, uh, and we did, and fortunately held together. Um, so, yeah, pre- yeah, very, very happy, very relieved about that. Mark, uh, tell us, how long have you been in rallying, and, and how did you get involved? Well, rallying I've been doing I think uh, since about um, 2014. Actually, if we go if we go right back to the start, we can go back a long way back to when I was 14 years old, uh, when I first started kart racing, and it was something that I wanted to do um, from uh, a fairly young age actually, but. Uh, I'm sure my parents probably would have liked to have uh, helped me do that a little bit earlier, but it wasn't until I was was about 14 before that happened. Um, So yeah, I did that for a number of years, sort of through my high school years, that sort of thing. Um, I did do a little bit of sort of local kind of club level motorsport, some of the smaller type rally events uh, with my dad. Uh, In his, he had a uh, modified road going WRX, which -hmm. was a lot of fun to drive. And then uh, we got talked into um, doing some circuit racing as well. Um, uh, The car that uh, we bought was a a Series 1 Mazda RX-7. We bought it all the way from Tasmania, actually. It was an improved production uh, car at the time, so it had the, uh, the 36mm restrictor. Uh, um, that we had to pull all the air through so we got rid of that pretty quick and um, converted it to a streetcar so it ran in the streetcar category for a number of years and I ran that from 2003 to mm, sort of about 2010 I think it was yep um and that was a lot that was that was a lot of fun to drive that car that was a good 500 plus horsepower at the wheels and at the time the control tires and that sort of thing that we had to run were street legal uh tires i mean they were our comps but they were road legal tires and they were on seven inch rims i think they were 225 uh wide so they didn't mm. yeah really struggle to put the power down but it was a, it was definitely a lot of fun to drive around yeah uh and that was that was great but um um and you know through all of those years my um, my dad uh, was my pit crew. My dad was very much, uh, obviously, a big influence on me as, uh, as, a, as I was growing up, um, especially from a motorsport perspective. I did have a... Um, I've got brothers and sisters that... Um, well, brothers in particular, that were also involved with karting early on. Um, but I'll sort of continue that um, well into my adulthood. And um, so, yeah, he was always working in the pits and, and doing all the hard work. Uh, and I was doing most of the, <laughs> most of the fun work and, and getting to drive. And um, it was sort of um, in the yeah, late 2000, I think 2009, we, he was uh, unfortunately uh, diagnosed with Parkinson's, which we didn't think that, was, um, that wasn't very good. And shortly after that, he was uh, diagnosed with terminal cancer. And um, it, was, uh, it was sort of given, I guess, a limited amount of uh, time. And uh, we said, all right, well, what do we want to do? Um, let's do some stuff together. So uh, we went and got an EVO 7. And we started doing uh, smaller sprint-type events. So we were doing the rally sprint series and some of the local hill climbs and, and uh, circuit sprints and that sort of thing because it was the kind of thing that we could uh, both do uh, yep. in the car. And uh, and to be honest, the Evo was a, a lot um, more compliant car, a lot uh, a lot easier to drive than the RX-7 was. The RX-7 probably would have killed him. So. Um, yeah and that was that was brilliant um we had a you know a great time we were just you know doing the local stuff like i said the local rally sprint series down at the quinana motorplex which is run by um ross tapper and, and mm. the crew there the same guys that run all of the tarmac rally events uh, here in wa yeah and um yeah we unfortunately though the car uh actually we also ran that car in street cars uh funnily enough through most of the 2011 season and uh we ended up winning the streetcar state championship that year as well uh i think by solitary uh point right, right at the end of the year which is um uh which was really good and um so yeah after that we we were into the the rallying type piece and um uh, but the car was a bit too modified. It was too. There was some, you know, engine mods that um, weren't uh, target compliant. A little bit of a situation like Denver Park, you had in here the other week. Uh, Denver's car is a street car, well and truly too modified to be running um, as a proper tarmac rally car. But uh, they had um, they opened up an opportunity for us to run in the uh, rookie class. So sort of like an introductory type class. We were just a couple of days of Targa South. Uh, sorry, Targa West uh, on the Saturday and Sunday and um so they said yeah do you want to come and have a go at this um you can just do those two days and just see how you like it and uh it was bloody awesome yeah and uh we just kept going from there
2: all right that was mark greenham now in the number four spot who do you reckon we've got todd don't know Mitch oh, I don't know Oh, you? Mitch. Mitch Lana. He it was his oh. second
4: interview here. The thunder from down under, Mitch Lana himself. The thunder himself. from
2: down under. And now Mitch loves to chat, so we really had to edit this one right yeah. now. whittle it down to 12 minutes was difficult. It was no mean feat. But anyway. He's an awesome bloke. Mitch. He is awesome. Yeah. And we've got to have him and, in one you more know, time. And it's incredible. What he's doing is just unbelievable.
1: Certainly. But like, Huge uh, effort.
4: Look, as we listen to Mitch right now, um, for people out there in radio and podcast land, there's some more coming up with Mitch very shortly, sort of over the Christmas break because he's been up to a hell of a lot, and we didn't have time to cover it all off in mm-hmm. one sitting so yeah be okay. more coming anyway let's have a listen to our interview that we
2: did this year with Mitch okay, as promised we've got Mitch Lana in the studio drift sensation Mitch, thanks for joining us.
6: Thank you very much for having me on uh, uh, for the second time now um, yeah. yeah it's good to be back on the show glad to have, have, uh, to come back and yeah, give you guys a bit more of an insight into what we've been doing for the last few months and since the last time
2: we spoke. Yeah, we probably should have added that as well. I mean, we've we've had you on the podcast before. I think it was episode forty eight, from memory, or forty seven. But if you look back, if you go back to our podcast, we had a big long chat about lots of things back then. But we want to get you back in because since then you've done so many things. But before we go, what you've done just recently? A lot of our listeners are new to new to this radio program and podcast so if you can just recap on the island experience and what led up to getting yourself over to Ireland
6: yep so um, just to start it off um, obviously um, as you were just uh, announced my name's Mitchell Lana. I'm a 23 year old privateer um, motorsport um, Race car driver. I I mainly focus on drifting. Um, I do branch out to other things as well. My family's known for drag racing, go-karting and all that stuff. So I'm not just a one-minded driver. I do like to do all different things and um, obviously do compete in um, circuit racing and stuff like that as well when I get the opportunity. Um, So starting from the beginning, um, here locally I'm a four-time West Australian champion. Um, I've won three seasons of D1WA and one season of uh, drift car. Um, I've been actively competing here for the last six or seven years now. Um, Obviously, I'm only 23, so I started quite young. Um, But, yeah, so from there, once I got my fourth championship, um, I decided, you know, obviously we need to make another step forward, um, try and keep the motion going, try and keep up with everything we're doing. And um, that's when we turned our attention to Ireland. A lot of people probably think of, like, why would you go to such a little country that no one really talks about, anything like that, but um, Ireland is actually the home of one of the biggest championships in the world, Mm. and uh, if you see on Facebook, they've renamed their brand now to Drift Games, Um, it used to be called the IDC, Um, but yeah, so it's one of the biggest championships in the world, Um, there's former Drift, IDC, BDC and Drift Masters, that's uh, the main live streamed events that everybody knows about, and... um, Affordability, accessibility, and making stuff happen and work—we um, chose to to go with Ireland. Um, I was lucky enough to go over there for one round in 2016 to try and meet new people, um, build a base, and you know start from start from scratch in another country. And uh, while I was there, we didn't get any good results, or anything like that. We were driving a car we never drove that was undeveloped for a pro class and and whatnot. So. Made the most of uh, meeting the right people, talking to the right people. And um, lucky enough, I became good friends with uh, Richard at Bradley Motorworks. And he said to me right before I left, he's like, if you want to build a car, you can come here. We'll look after you. You can have the workshop. You can do what you need to do. Hmm. So in the six months we had in between that and um, having the time to actually get the car ready, me and my dad made a plan. My dad's Dubai uh, Performance, for those that uh, know who that is. Um, They're based um, in Bibber Lake and they work on LS based Commodores, Nissans, anything with an LS engine Um, and so yeah all my cars are all LS engine V8 Um, so it's a lot to cram in in a couple of seconds and minutes just to to get you guys to know who I am but yeah so long story short we spent six months uh, preparing to go to Ireland to build a new car and um, in 14 days we built a car from scratch to a full competitive pro championship racing car that um, we actually got fifth in the season overall for my first season so first season competing out of australia first season on semi six, first season with over 600 horsepower and obviously yeah just everything completely different bowl game Mm. never never had anything to do with something like that or level of um competition like that
2: yeah i mean just just to cut in here so you've gone a, a mutual friend of ours, Wayne, actually introduced. He said he got he put me on to you, and this was in July of last year. And I started following you then, and then we caught up later in the year. But I couldn't believe the amount of commitment that you made to to the island championship. I think you know, even when we spoke last year,
6: she um, we built the engine here. Okay, and then we sent the engine over. Sorry, yeah, and we bought a shell there, and then. Yep. Um, yeah, me and my dad worked for for 14 days to uh, to build the car from nothing to just what what we could do here. Yeah. Um we got we ran a sequential gearbox and stuff like that which we got through URM Sport over in Ireland. Mm. So we didn't have to worry about the gearbox or things, but yeah, we, the main thing was getting the engine there. Yeah. Um that engine's not very common over there. So um we actually we built a, a little crate um which had two engines, mm. LS2 and a combo and a um lsa which yep. was a six what well, there's like a 6.2 liter with a supercharged engine from factory mm-hmm. same thing untested unused we know we didn't know anything about it at the time so we just sort of had the mentality of you know we'll just we'll, we'll try and on on paper the the engine setup looked perfect yeah. um had had reasonable power good torque everything like that more than what we've had before, so really can't really go backwards a little bit more. Mm. Um, especially when you're running semi-sleeks, new country, you want to have the little bit of upper hand and stuff like that when it comes to power. Yep. Um, but yeah, we got a pretty much a bare shell off a X drifter. With 14 days, obviously we didn't really have time to go into fabricating the chassis, going all out like that. So we had to had to bite the bullet and bite a car that was already semi-complete. Um, the car had actually been running the seasons um, uh, before we actually got it. Um, but he had engine drummers the whole time he had it, so he um, yeah, gave us, well, when we bought the car it was basically just a shell, no mm. engine, no box, no suspension, nothing. Um, obviously to put the LS in we had to do our own fabricating, new uh, subframes, new everything. Um, so yeah, we pretty much had a full car overhaul and rebuild from from ground up in 14 days. So yeah.
2: Willow Springs, now I've never been there myself. Um, but I've seen it, I follow, uh, Adam Carolla on CarCast and he races a lot of vintage, historic vintage cars there. And I've followed a, a number of his races there and I thought, geez, I'd love to race there one day. It's, it looks like an awesome track with heaps of elevations and it looks difficult. It actually looks challenging. Uh, can you talk us through a little bit about Willow Springs? I know it's a sort of off topic, but I, I, I'm curious.
6: Yeah, so, um, there's a bit of a drive out there, um, the traffic in uh, California is a bit crazy no matter what time or wherever you go. And um, I think, yeah, like I said earlier, it's about two hours to get there, but the distance was only like 150k. So, with traffic, it just made it quite difficult to get out there. Um, but, yeah, once you're there, it's it's unreal. Like the, the availability of the track, how much room there is, what it's actually built on, it's built on sort of like a mountain hill. Um, the the elevation of the track's not man made, it's actually just built on a hill. Um, the main track is massive. We didn't get to drift on it, unfortunately. Um, we sort of had to keep, like, well, it's cool to experience a new track, I had to sort of remember what we were there for, not go spastic and try and break the car or anything like that, or do anything we didn't need to do. Mm. Um, so they've got, I think they've got, like, five or six different tracks there. Yeah. Um, we first started off at the Speedway track. Um, it's, like, a literally a Speedway track with, um, like, a slip through through the center of the oval. Um, we did a bit of practice down there. Um, Practicing gear changing, so like. obviously it's opposite hand um, with the handbrake and the and the gears. So we wanted to get a bit of practice with that. Once we were happy with that, and we saw where the car was at, my um, tuner and mechanic that I brought with me, uh, Mike Dino from um, W Racing Developments, mm-hmm. he um, come on board with us this year as well for Formula Drift, um, and he come over. Obviously, my dad is LS based um, engine builder and car tuner and stuff like that. So. The car was 2J, um, a six-cylinder, so we, um, yeah, I sort of, Mike's been doing all my six-cylinder turbo stuff that I've done in the past and, um, yeah, it seemed viable to bring somebody that knew stuff like that on the back of their hand. So he came with us and he had his laptop with him and was making sure everything was in check and made sure the car was responding the way it could and any changes that needed to be made, they were made. Um, from there, we then went up to Balcony, which is another track, um, sort of like a big open skid pad with, a, with like a little couple of slip roads in there as well. Um, and yeah, that was uh, a cool experience, just to drive on two different tracks in one day. Um, and same thing, just sort of let loose, feel the car out and whatnot. But yeah, the venue the venue there is amazing. Um, sort of out in the middle of nowhere, mm. but yeah. I mean, when you go all that way, it's sort of... Get to experience a different part of America, new tracks. Like That's the biggest thing for me. Like, I love driving at new tracks, and new cars, yep. new everything. You know, That's it's sort of what makes you want to keep trying new and different things.
2: Mm, certainly, so, certainly. With everything that happened in the US, we thought, yeah, we have to get you back. So, no, we really appreciate it.
6: No, thank you. At least you guys could show up and Gonzo didn't, but that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear that song? <laughs> yeah. But, no, no, I appreciate it, guys. And, we and
2: do. Todd just wanted to mention he's got a 180 at home doing nothing and he wants to learn how to drift you're the man
6: i'm the man
4: yeah show this man how to drift yeah
6: yeah i can show you guys how to drift no no, not me (laughs) (laughs)
4: apparently i'm the crash test i mean i'm the dummy (laughs) but we knew that already
6: (laughs) no yeah like i say um you know i'm extremely grateful for everything you guys have done to help try and uh, push my name and stuff like that and obviously having me a part of the show so maybe one day we can organize a private hire and we'll get all three of you up there
2: Oh, that sounds good and we I can all it.
6: try and get some laps and um, yeah just show you guys what it's really like you know first hand in the car and um, maybe we can organize some raffles for some lucky fans and followers yeah. on here as well
2: yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll work something out I don't know about going backwards into the corner I'll leave that for Todd <laughs> oh yeah thanks no worries <laughs> <laughs> alright that was Mitch Lana. thanks very much Mitch thanks for coming in we really appreciate it and for joining us on the podcast and 88.5 FM All right, that was awesome to have Mitch in here. Hey, now, coming in, number three, Denver Parker, winner of the WA Streetcar Championship. Your man, Todd. Nugget, yeah. as you affectionately call him. <laughs>
4: yeah, I hate that I'll set up the radio on that, but you're Nugget. Uh, um, he had you a, are so dead. I oh, know. No, <laughs> no look, he's had a, a stellar year and, uh, yeah, like one to go watch and have listened listen to and listen to the interviews and he's been here a couple of times now so yeah i have to be honest with you i have to be frank with you here
2: this was probably one of the we had a lot of commentary on this episode and yeah. it was probably one of the freest flowing funniest episodes oh, it's we've done. top low yeah top
1: low. it was really it was just great sitting down having a chat huge effort uh, i don't think we like Those cars are so developed now. I don't think people really appreciate them. They're so close to being sports sedans. It's unbelievable.
4: Yeah. Well, they technically run under the sports sedans banner when they go over east. Over east, yeah. 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 So let's tune in
2: and have a listen to Denver. All right. As we said before, we've got Denver Parker in the studio with us tonight. We're having a good old laugh about some of the crazy stuff that he got up to. these guys. <laughs> yeah. I, um, so Denver, to- talk us through, we-, we touched on it briefly, won a championship this year in the Streetcar um, Association, so just talk us through a bit about that, and um, I mean, I guess the floor is yours to to, to talk about what whatever you feel like, basically. Uh, uh,
7: yeah, I, I kind of got lucky, I suppose, in that I, I reliably t- did every round, um, finished every race dropped out of qualifying once because I blew the diff out of it but you know he fixed it and then got back out on the track for all three races so mm. it, yeah at, at the start of the year a couple of the quick guys you know Andy from Drive, he broke his the night before the very first race and then yeah, had issues in the second round didn't make highly, Um a couple of the other quick guys their cars weren't ready and stuff like that so I kind of got lucky in that aspect um, and then yeah sadly a few guys got cleaned up and what was meant to be the third last race and ended up being the second last race so mm by that point I took such a significant lead that I kind of went oh look we'll just drop the last round and hopefully everyone can fix their car and we'll come out for the big one at the end so yeah, well, I,
1: yeah. Don't, I don't think there's any luck in being prepared <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's, that's true as well. You know? you know there's a saying in racing that says to finish first you need to first finish
7: <laughs> yeah well that's it isn't it so and yeah you can still have the best preparation and have an absolutely terrible year and that's what happened to me a couple of years ago you know I thought I had everything prepared and then a dumb thing like I had a bolt fall out one of the suspension arms in the very first race of the year and then blew the diff yeah. out. SVG of <laughs> 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 was <laughs> it that Sandy <sent? laughs> <laughs> no Roland Dane was not in my garage <laughs> so yeah look, it, I, it, I got lucky in that sense but yeah I also had a it, pretty trouble free year sort of run so mm. yeah won three the first three rounds and then came second on the next race so yep. yeah it was good
2: so tell us 2020. What, what? What's the plans? Can you talk us through that?
7: So, uh, the Wales getting retired as such. As mm-hmm. I affectionately call it. Um, a few reasons. As I said, when I was on the start of the year, I wanted to go and do Targa, um, and it's just never going to comply. You know, mm-hmm. to, to make it comply, would be completely altering what the car effectively is, and I don't really want to uh, do that because, you know. It always its touch as such. Right, um, that's a championship winner now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's doubled in price. <laughs> I'll, I'll put that in a museum somewhere. Um, yeah, so look, it, 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 they've brought out a really interesting rule set for the, the next few years of Targa on a national level, um, so I'm going to try and something together in that aspect. I'm not quite sure on what I've asked for some clarification on some of their rule set to see where that kind of goes but it could also mean that I might have to pull bits and pieces out of the 33s the, the stands because you know stuff like brakes and things like that I could transfer over to another car and electronics and
1: mm-hmm.
7: you know we'll see what happens there. So
1: So I heard there's a spot where the 17 car was meant to go at Penske's. But <laughs> no <laughs> no they're,
7: they're fixing that. They're fixing it? Yeah, yeah. they're, they're, they're going to got sent to what was it, Pace that do all the, the shades? Yeah, yeah. Pace, so yeah. it's pace innovation. Fixed that and it, and it will go to the museum as as it raced at Bathurst and yep. Yep. The, the full library from there. Mm. So.
1: With which, which engine? The, the Q engine? <laughs> 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 You'd have to
7: ring Dick and ask him about it.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just touching on that, you can buy the body parts There and all the money goes to charity. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah.
7: There was a big pile in their mm. workshop the other day. So. Yeah. so, yeah, that's getting done. And then yeah, hopefully I'll... Yeah, as I said earlier in the year as well, I want to come and do some endurance stuff, hopefully overseas. So I'm going to try and start making some avenues into that. And yeah, because if you want to get to places like Sparrow, or the Nurburgring and things like that, there, there's a process you have to go through to qualify for those sort of races. So I'd like to try and do that before I get too old. And yeah. Mm-hmm lose the competitive edge so you're gonna let the cat out of the bag on the new car or I don't actually know what I'm doing yet <laughs> <laughs> I have a couple of ideas but yeah it's a case of I need to speak to Tara and I'm waiting on a reply from an email I've sent him a couple
1: of SX with a 4G telling yes. me so. <laughs> no, it's not
7: actually, you can't actually do it <laughs> unfortunately <laughs> You're yeah. them
1: it was a special New Zealand model or something.
7: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the 86. Yeah. Yeah. You could probably actually run it at Target New Zealand. They've got a very <laughs> interesting rule set over there. You know, so. <laughs> They've got rules? Yeah, they
2: do. So. <laughs> so, yeah, you can't... So, when you say endurance for, for next year, what, what sort of events are you looking at over uh,
7: there? Ideally, yeah, you want to... The dream would be GT3 or GT4 or something like that, but obviously that's time and money and things like that. Uh, There's a class that runs... It's going to sound bizarre, but it's kind of like the Hyundai the XL class of Europe, but they run a Citroen C1 group, mm-hmm. and they, they've gone from what sort of started out as a lot of the old 2CVs. They used to run like this weird 24-hour endurance thing at Spa, um, yep. and it's kind of morphed, and the C1s have come along with it, but they get grids of up to 150 cars. Hang on, hang on.
1: Hang on. They used to run 2CVs. They still do. <laughs> <laughs> do. Do you guys know what a 2CV is? Yeah, yeah. You know what 2CV means? Two horsepower. Two cavallos.
7: <laughs> oh, wow, there you go. I mean, they've got a few more now. They've got these weird BMW bike motors. That they're actually spastically fast. Um, I can't think
1: of anything <laughs> that would be more insanely unstable at speed. <laughs> I think they fixed that.
7: <laughs> but they used to have that elastic suspension, didn't they?
1: They had suspension.
6: <laughs> <laughs> they had something.
2: Yeah, we should get this on the screen, actually, so our <laughs> listeners can two cv yeah. Yeah. do you know what a two cv is i do yes but I'm, i i want to see
7: i want it's I the sort of
2: vehicle is. you expect
1: to see in a pink panther movie yeah. it's not o- on, its
7: side. <laughs> on its
1: side it's the, <laughs> the french what's the car that they, they launched into space on top gear
7: <laughs> they oh, used to the, um, the three wheel thing yeah, uh, yeah. Modern, right, right fat,
1: yeah. reliant reliant it, they yeah, race it's the French version. Yeah, they, they race well.
4: those as well. In the UK, and they put oh training, my training wheels on them. And they, they have full fields. And they have Reliant Robin Meena. Why?
1: And Mina. Oh, then again, we've got the Super Ute series, haven't we? Yeah. <laughs> 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 Makes perfect sense. So the Super Ute series is kind of the Australian version of the TCV series.
7: Yeah. <laughs> so, I, so, I think the Super Utes roll overboard. Yeah, probably. <laughs> so what's what's the other one
1: the, but the,
7: the, so the C1 so it's a they have a very controlled rule set to it so that the rule sets that tight that if they suspect you're cheating like you've done something tricky to the motor they can come along with a, another motor and plonk it in and say right swap it out yeah that's and cool so it's a very controlled rule set but the the, the racing is pretty phenomenal that's the point that they get guys that do race GT and GT3 and all these you know really quick classes because with the cars being so slow, you can increase grid density. Yep. And so you have six, seven car battles in corners that last for hours, you know, yeah, yeah. So and they yeah. run it at Spa and Silverstone and a few other tracks. So yeah, that it, would be incredible. Yeah, I want to so, see what,
1: bring one up.
2: <laughs> this is the original two CV. And I remember when we went to Europe as a kid, these were everywhere. When I was a kid, we went to Europe in 87 and everyone had one of these.
7: <laughs> not everyone, but you
1: know what I mean, it was like a... Yeah, maybe in France, in Italy it was a Fiat
7: 500. Let's
2: have a look at the new one.
7: No, no, no,
2: no the it's new a one's a C1. C1. Oh. Why is there... C- a new TCB
1: there. Yeah, oh. yeah, we don't care, Nick, it's a C1. <laughs> We're Sorry. looking for a C1. <laughs> Just C1, Citroën C1, not new, doesn't 2C1. <laughs> oh, I want to see one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay.
3: That's yeah.
7: Yeah. so. Is it the
1: two door? The two door version, obviously.
7: Is I'm not entirely sure. Could I don't think doors is an issue. It's it are in Australia, Australia as well. You Fiat know that 500ish. Mm. I haven't yeah. seen one. Yeah, yeah. they're here yeah, in and Australia. There's too. a Toyota version and a Fiat something. I think it's a Fiat Argo or Toyota Argo or something like. That. Yeah. So it's a common chassis kind of deal. Mm. Um,
2: but I've actually seen the C1 here in, in Perth.
1: Hmm. See, I, I've always wondered, you know, with the, salute, the HQ series, the yeah. saloon car series, etc., why we never had a claimer class where you can just, you know, you finish at the end of the grid, you can walk up, hand over the $1,000 or whatever and say, take the motor out, load it in the back of the U." Because <laughs> they have that in America. It's common. They have it in drag racing. They have it in circuit racing. Yeah. Um, so it stops people from you know spending mega bucks because that's what it's meant
7: to be you know what mm, i mean yeah yeah and, and yeah and that's why i guess it's really appealing because they can't do control it to that end so you know it, it is all down to the driver and they, they one of the articles i read which is on uh Jalopnik, you know they they literally say if you're losing it, it's not the car yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it, It's the nicest way of putting it. So, yeah, I'd, I'd like to go explore that because it just seems like a whole lot of fun. So, yeah. is the class called Ego Ricker? Or
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I thought that was fantastic. <laughs> <weird.
7: laughs> oh, no, I know, the Kastekis are doing alright. Did you see him flip off Cam Waters? <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> Do you reckon he'll get a fine? I I don't know, but they slow-moed it just for that one shot. It was fantastic.
1: I'll tell you what, I reckon everyone in Australia knows who the Kostickies are. They
2: do. They do. And they're not brothers. They're cousins. They're cousins. (laughs) Yeah. Mm. Yeah, they are. So this is obviously plans for next year, Denver. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, you're looking at this stage sponsors or can people get in contact with you? And, yeah, oh, yeah, they
7: can hit me up on my Facebook page at Landwide Racing. Yep. Um, yep, That's the easiest way to get in touch with me. But, yeah, it is a I did a big post, so anyone who's on my Facebook page already heard this stuff already. Yeah, it's mm. it's one of those climates. Getting any kind of sponsorship for motorsport outside of supercars or, you know, the stuff that's now growing with, like, TCR and things like that is... It's not so much hard, it's just guaranteeing a return for people's investment, you know, and that's the hard part. The thing is,
1: though, let's face it, supercars and TCR, most of the drivers, it's their parents funding it. Uh, (laughs) And if it's not their parents, it's their parents' friends. Yeah, there's
7: there's a lot of big business money in it. Yeah, yeah.
1: it's not... We've lost that part of Australian motorsports that made it so great where... A few mates could get together, slap something together, and and have a crack. Yeah. You know, that's completely gone now. Yeah, Um,
7: absolutely. And... It's so hard to do something. You look at America and Europe and things like like that stuff is so easy to get to, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. You look at I suppose uh, the twenty four hour lemons things is a great example because in America it was you could just turn up and run a car, yeah, you know? and stuff like roll cages and things like that were optional. Whereas over here it's it's an added expense. Yeah, you know? so yeah. So it's just add, 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 and what do you do? Mm. Yeah. You know, so what seems like cheap fun suddenly becomes rather expensive.
2: Yeah. Well, I looked at the twenty four hour lemons. I went to it last year, as you know. We did a podcast from down. There. They didn't they didn't run it this year, they're gonna run it next year, but I looked at that doing something for the podcast point of view, just an EA Falcon or Not an S B Falcon. Nick, yeah. Captain Scud
1: is working on something. Are oh, you really? <laughs> okay. Can't I can't let the cat out of the bag yet, but it'll be it it? this, this is
2: this is what you were talking about earlier. Yeah, well,
1: he's, he's got a few projects on the go, Captain okay. Scud. Yeah. And, anyway. and and you know, it'll be all day. <laughs> All day, <laughs> that, probably that, every
7: day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, they just released next year's calendar for those events, and the Collie one is a proper 24-hour mm. non-stop, yeah, day-night, not the, the split 12-hour, 12-hour thing.
2: So. Mm. But yeah, the cost of doing it for, for for us was, I thought, up there, you know. But it, I don't know. We'll we'll have a look at that maybe in Need a couple it. of years' time.
1: Need to get that Volvo from the, the 1974 Bathurst. Oh, 76 yeah.
4: 76 Bathurst, yeah, yeah. And when on high, the uni royals. We need a higher driver, by the way. You know, we need a higher driver.
2: I can probably get my hands on a reasonably cheap Volvo, actually. <laughs>
7: um, they're okay. not cheap anymore, <laughs> yeah, right. uh, they're, they're, they've become collector. Oh, okay, <laughs> well, everyone's
1: putting an LS or a 2J in them, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, as long as
7: it's got original pantina, then it's. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs>
2: Oh right, Denver, look, thanks for that. Well, um, we really appreciate that, and thanks for coming in. And, I mean, not 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 saying just thanks for fulfilling us, keeping us updated with where you're at, and uh, we really appreciate that. And, um, yeah, look, I mean, we wish you all the best for next year, and um, sad to see Land Whale be retired, but it's... Um, There'll be another. Yeah. <laughs> we can... You actually... Sorry, question without notice. He's building you. a baron now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, are you participating this weekend at the Wanneroo 300? No,
7: no, the Wanneroo 1. 100 now oh 100 I, sorry I, I don't know what's happening with that because i know they had fairly low competitive entry numbers so i don't know if it's actually going ahead or what's oh, going wow. on okay so Right-o. All right i couldn't tell you. but yeah, yeah. They, they reduced it to a 100 in effort to try and get people and then yeah it was a case of too much too little too late yeah okay. for a lot of people so yeah. all right, all right Deborah we'll take a short break here and we'll be back right after this
2: All right, that was great catching up with Denver on that one there. Now, number two. Coming in at number two. (laughs) Number two. Now, this is interesting because we only interviewed this gentleman not that long ago, and had we given him more time... The talking power, six to one, all stars. (laughs) (laughs) i reckon he might have nabbed the number one spot but unfortunately he didn't so anyway without further ado winner of drag challenge this year this
1: year last year was runner up this year winner he was the winner
2: this year (laughs) and drag also participated in drag week as well was harry hague and that was number number two in in drag week in his class
1: i believe yes he's right he was number two so he likes his number (laughs) twos, harry
3: (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> so, without further ado, let's tune in and have a listen to some of the highlights of that interview with Harry Haig. Episode 74 of the Talking Power podcast, and we have on the line with us, Harry Haig, winner of Drag Challenge 2019. Thanks for joining us again, Harry.
8: Harry's boys, how are we doing? We're
2: going really well. We're going really well. Hey, Harry, do you get like some giant like
1: crown or something to wear now, or...?
8: Uh, I get a jacket, which I haven't taken off, and i got a camshaft trophy, which they dropped. um, Telfo dropped it and busted it, and they've uh, zip-tied it and tech-screwed it and stuck gum leaves on it. So when they told me that Wednesday, I sort of knew it was mine.
1: Is it an L.S. can?
8: I'm not actually sure what it is. (laughs) Yeah, I should know. I looked at it for the last bloody six days, but I'm not actually sure. (laughs)
2: Hey, look, it was a great effort, I must say, and I, I've been uh, keeping across uh, Drag Challenge. Thanks thanks to those guys you just mentioned actually at Street Machine. I think they did an awesome coverage of this year's drag challenge and I think that upped the ante in my opinion like last year I think the videos were kind of seven to eight minutes long this year they're all most of them were just uh, under half an hour so the coverage was excellent and hats off to those guys and that's how people like us in Western Australia kept uh, were kept across what, what you were doing over there.
8: Yeah, no, the boys—they um, got um, Matty Ricky from the states. Um, he does the, he does the videos for um, Drag Week, and and they got him over to do that. And um, he's one of the hardest working blokes I've ever seen. Like he'll be up to three in the morning putting the videos together. And um, yeah, no, the, the the video content and stuff that they're doing these days, and with all the. All their drones and all the other stuff they got is, yeah, is comparable to anyone else in the world. I reckon you know, they're smashing it. So, no, that's spot on.
1: Certainly. So, so if he works till three in the morning, he must work half as hard as you do.
8: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, always, he still beats us to bed. But, yeah, uh, yeah no, he, he's... calling uh, call him the draft horse. He just, yeah, he puts in. And uh, he's one of the best blokes you'll ever meet in your life. He's, he's a legend. So, yeah, you know, big big hi to Matty and, and, and the boys from the Street Machine. So, listen, day one, call the
1: park, right? You're in the 760s. Yep. Daniel unloads a 735. What were you thinking?
8: Um, well, when we, we sort of... We had two cars there. We had Cordy's and mine. And, yeah, we got there. When he, when he went... We got out and went a 60. And, yeah, they went a 737. And I thought, oh, well, we're done. But, yeah, <laughs> here we go. And um, I thought, you know, that's... And they were going to go out again. And I'm like, yeah, we went out again. And we sort of went the same. And it was getting late in the day. And, and um. Yeah, Cordy Singh, um, I was more worried about his. We sort of did a couple laps of mine, and he only ran a 980, which is the slowest he's ever been in his life in that car. And, yeah, we took us a while to figure out that the wastegate was loose, and, yeah, we, we ran out of time there. But, yeah, Tom, we sort of got our shit together as the day was over. So, yeah, we just had to deal with it.
2: I, I, I found it quite quite amazing. I mean, we're we'll probably jumping a little bit ahead here, but you seem to have a really good run at, at Calder, at, certainly... On day five, which is traditionally you've gone to colder on day five, where the car's broken down and you've had to park in the well, you, you, in you, the disabled bay.
6: Uh,
8: yeah, no, <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> so we, uh, we well, as you know our run of luck. We uh, we don't normally have any at all, and um, we got to we knew we sort of after Portland, like the the conditions this year were like nothing you've ever seen. but like, we got to Mildura and. We drove all night from Monday night to get up to Wujura and we got there next day and, um, the wind was just like a hundred kilometre hour wind was just dust. You couldn't see in front of you and the guy dragging the track like he'd start at one end. The track was brown like a dirt road. He'd drag it by the time he got the other end. The black mark that he made was already covered in dust again. And then, yeah, it was, it was a battle. Every track was a battle, but the actual colder on Friday night was, was on kill. What they sent 10 cars down, then it rained. So yeah, it, it was, it was different. That's for sure.
2: Probably the only drama you did have was entering in day four. Correct me if I'm wrong. You actually broke a couple of rockers, but retrieving spare rockers may have proved to be a bit of a challenge. Can you tell us a little bit about Frank Marquez and uh, and what they did with those those spare rockers? That they
8: yeah. Well, we uh, well after we left um, after we'd done our 490, or whatever it was, it was actually before lunch. So um, we got the cars swapped over, both cars swapped over, and. Um, Said to the boys, shit, we might even score a pub lunch though. Anyway, Tommy packed up and farted around. It wasn't a pub lunch. It was like three o'clock. So we out, got back into town, fueled up and got some KFC. And, and it's always, it's hilly coming out of there and your car always runs hot. The trans and everything coming out of that place like it's, um, it was a side wind. And yeah, we got to just before OU and it will cruise along pretty good. And and next thing I hear one of the cylinders go off, I'm like, here we go. So yeah, <laughs> pulled, up, pulled up on the side of the road and, and uh, I started up and I could see oil coming out the, uh, one of the pipes. I'm like, oh, I reckon it we've done an intake rocker. So anyway, pulled it apart. Found we had a broken rocker and put put the call out on the social media to, to get one and I rang Frankie. I said, you wouldn't happen to have a bloody, one of these rockers. He goes, I have. it's a different ratio and they're at the first checkpoint and they're at the grain silos. And he goes, but you're gonna we're going to make you earn it. I'm like, yeah, no worries. So we, uh, we got um, one of the boys from the States, Jesse Adams, had come out. He gave me a hand. We, we wired up the one of the, um, the lifters so it wasn't touching the cam and got creative <laughs> there and pulled the spark plug out and disconnected the injectors. And there's a couple of videos you'll see on the Aussie Cheval page of us driving along with the most painful noise in the world if you've ever, <laughs> ever had to drive with a spark plug out. Wog um, that was with me, he had his ear plugged in and his helmet, like, just for the noise. Um... Yeah, we got anyway, we got to the, the checkpoint and... Uh,
1: Mate, I've got to know, everywhere. I've got to know, was yeah. it fence wire?
8: Uh, what wire was it? It was. It actually was, uh, between you and me, because no one else is listening, uh, it was security wire out of the fence from the survey. I <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and, and was, and was kind, you, they was kind would, enough to donate
1: some. While you were driving along, did you think you could use that air to pump the tyres up or something like we used in the old days? <laughs>
8: <laughs> oh, yeah, I, was, I actually actually thought a million-dollar idea of making a muffler for the spark plug <laughs> the muffler spark system <laughs> <laughs> So for anyone else that goes through it because anyone would buy it if you've had to listen to that noise for a while. So, um, yeah, so anyway, we got to the silos, and Frankie sends me a picture of this bloody silo, and it, the ladder the ladder to get up to it, the bottom bit was missing, so the first 15 feet was missing, and there's this bloody great ladder that goes, oh, it have to be... I don't know how many metres it'd have to be bloody 100 feet tall and here from the, here the plastic tape hanging off one of the rafters of Silo <laughs> was there bloody look how rocker he left us so and you've all, all, all seen how fit I am and, and a couple of, one of the wog that's with me it's of Heights and we had um, a couple of young blokes and then uh, yeah Jesse pulled up from the States and he goes I'll grab that next minute he somehow managed to make up the distance where the ladder was it, and he's hanging upside down and next minute he's on top of the bloody Silo Walking around with <laughs> this rocker in his hand, waving it around his head. Like, Shit! I'm glad he was here because none of us were getting up there. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so we got that and then got it back down and, and um, yeah, put it, put it all together and yeah, and cruised on through the night. So,
2: <laughs> but that's the spirit of um, of of drag challenge a drag challenge, isn't it? I mean, that's that's part of the the camaraderie, I guess. I mean, Frank, Frank, uh, I watched the video. And Frank said he was gonna. He was going to lend it to you, but he's going to make you work for it.
8: Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I would have done the same. I, I, said, to, I said to him, um, when I saw him the next day, I said, the only, you know, only thing that could make my life better is one day you need a part off me, and I'll, I'll show you about earning it. So, um, yeah. So hopefully that happens, and uh, we get a bit of a payback. No, nah, it's um, all the boys. It doesn't matter if yeah, what class or whatever, and. Um, anyone will help anyone that's that's doing it. Uh, everyone sort of knows how tough we do it, and uh, yeah, I couldn't thank the boys enough the next day. And uh, yeah, no, mm. everyone's a pretty good on the on the whole thing, like from the top to the bottom. Like anyone will help anyone. It's, it's, that's what makes it so good. So um, yeah.
2: That said, at Portland, but they were they were coming pretty hard at you at Portland because Portland that 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 was real sketchy. I mean, from from the video, it looked pretty ordinary there was rain in the morning correct me if i'm wrong and you you unloaded a 505 and a 507 there in that it was a massive pedal in in those two passes i thought
8: um yeah well the, the track when we got there like we they were talking rain all all the time and we got i think we got an hour and a half from the track the, that uh, when we left mordura we we rolled the swags at the truck stop none they were all bugging and one of the other mates that was driving caught his car he's like no nah, i'm done he goes i can't go any further mm. but yeah we we sort of got there a bit late in the morning it was when we woke up it was drizzling rain and we got there and like everything was wet and they're going to be a battle like and yeah every time they went to start the track it would bloody drizzle rain and whatever and it was just i rode I had a little pit bike and i rode down the end of the track in the morning and you could see sort of the moisture in, in. it like, wasn't puddles, but you could see all the damp spots, and there was no sun or anything to dry it up, and, um, yeah, I, a couple of boys went down, and I think someone hit the wall or whatever, but, yeah, it was actually, yeah. like, yeah. all day, like, um, even with Cordy's car, like, Cordy lost first gear at um, Mildura, and I said, mate, don't spool it up or anything, just put it in the beams and just drive down in what white manner and just get it back into lanes, and we'll save it for another day, because he's only on a little tyre, and... Sort if it comes home hard, where everyone was sort of getting loose, although we don't need that again. So, mm. um, yeah, but we sort of, yeah, we hung around. Sort of everyone else had left. There was sort of only 10 cars left. And, um, yeah, we got, well, it's all trees at the start one at Portland. So you sort of can't see behind you, but I'm sort of poking my head back through the trees. And I've seen a bit of a break in the clouds. I said to the boys, I reckon about 20 minutes it's going to be our best chance to do something. So, yeah, we had Terry on the laptop and whatever. And, yeah, we, we got, I think it was a 5.05, but um, yeah. we got a fair few passes for that. Yeah, anything at the top end, like, didn't matter. Well, we'll knock a pair out of it and everything. Again. It'd still get loose in the top end. Like, um, Yeah, it was a real battle.
1: Coming in at number one in the Talking Power 6-1 to one oh, All-Stars bad, of 2019, it is...
4: I think we need to turn the down. We're gonna, anyway, we're gonna,
2: we, we a lot of people would be excited. A lot of our <laughs> listeners would be excited to know this man is a drag racer, and he got our number one spot. He actually beat our own episode, our own special episode. This guy, and I'm gonna have I'm gonna have to ring him up and tell him. Anthony Begley comes in at number one. The man that we saw on fire back in February made the front page of the West Australian. Moved. All the happenings of the government and the 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 politics of the world to the rear pages. Yep. Got the number one spot front page. Drag racing in Western Australia made page one of the West.
1: How do you think Greta would feel about that? I don't care. (laughs) And the photo taken by incredible uh, photo Phil. Yeah, incredible. If you haven't seen the photo, uh, it should be on High Octane. Yeah, so on his Facebook page, High Octane photos so there you An go unbelievable unbelievable photo you can actually see the valve springs coming out of the engine the explosion was so violent those of you that don't know one minute there was a running nitro funny car the next minute there was a chassis
4: <laughs> that is literally oh, and, what, and let's add he walked away
1: anthony anthony yeah. did begley did. yeah yeah yeah, 100%. Right. yeah but that's yeah. because our safety is so good yeah
2: exactly so he got the number one spot he actually beat our episode 50 which I can't, well, I can't believe it, it's what happened, but he beat episode 50, which was Cake, Hemi, and the Bathurst 12-hour. Yeah. Well done, Anthony. That was probably my, one of my favorite episodes. That's the episode the we cake. started up there. You liked here. the cake, didn't you? Yeah. 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 <laughs> anyway, he um, he comes in at number one as far as guests go, and well done, Anthony. Let's have a listen to that episode. It's one of my favorite episodes.
9: Hey Anthony. How you going boy?
2: Good, good. Yeah. Thanks for coming on the podcast for us. Um, Much appreciated. No worries, no worries mate. Hey, um, let's just kick off and I'm going to rattle off a few classes and you tell me yay or nay if I've got this right or wrong. Top fuel, yeah. nitro funny car, yeah. top door slammer, yep. top alcohol, yeah, super sedan.
9: Yeah.
2: Super street. Yeah. Have I missed double-A Funny Car? Oh, double-A funny, yeah, double funny Car. Yeah, double-A Funny Car. Competition Eliminator. eliminator. Yes. My apologies. There you go. <laughs> I did miss one.
10: Now, now, now he's he's got me. He's got me on top fuel and nitro Funny Car, right? He's got yeah. me on competition eliminator, but he hasn't raced bikes yet. Uh, that's <laughs> what I wouldn't mind. I want to have a go on a
9: top fuel Harley. <laughs> <laughs> You see, rain on my parade,
10: Nick. Yeah,
2: he is. He is. But you
10: know, you know. No, that's what. No, no, that's no, what all these no, blow-ups. No, that's no, what all these blow-ups no, are, no, blow ups no, are no, about. No, that's
9: it. Exactly. Getting
2: used to it. <laughs> hey, Anthony. Let's just. I mean, we'll we'll kick off with the elephant yeah. in the room. The big. The big yeah. blow-up at the Perth yeah. Motorplex a couple of weeks ago. Just, in yeah. my opinion, it's actually not your biggest blow-up. I think if I wind my memory back 2013 at Western Sydney, I thought that was a lot scarier and a lot yeah. bigger.
9: Yeah, mate, definitely, Nick. It definitely was. Um, 2013 mm. Um. This this one here, it basically it blew the the top off of the car, yep and yep. Uh, and and pretty much went out. You know, it's, okay. it, like there was no flames, there was no anything. It, it pretty much well went bang, and mm. then it was all over. Mm. You know, when I got out of the car, I got out of the car pretty well straight away, and there was a uh, a little bit of flame around about around the header on the left hand side, and that was about it. But. Um, definitely that one in uh sydney was probably the biggest one i've had yeah um and it was um yeah i was uh, it pretty much blew up at half track which i think um at the half track markers i think the car was doing uh about a bit over 250 mile an hour
6: mm. when
9: it uh, when it went bang so it's, You know, all I tried to do there was uh, get it stopped. I couldn't see anything from almost the point of it going bang. And, um, yeah, no, it was definitely a big one. And that was probably a lot more scarier as far as, um, you know, you knew you had to get the car stopped. I was in the flames, obviously, from... From that point, yeah. and uh, you know, in the flames until the car, till I safely got the car stopped yep. and uh, got out of it. And I, I didn't uh, at one stage. Yeah, I didn't even know how fast it was going due to the smoke and the, mm. and the flame. It was uh, it was one of those things that you, your sense of uh, how fast you're going or even where you're going uh, was sort of uh, all out the door at yeah. that point. Yeah. That's if, the- if, I, if
10: I remember correctly, that, that uh, was um, broadcast live over the internet, and I was watching it because only a few weeks earlier, you and I were racing each other, and I had that big um, top yep. end, and I That's thought, Anthony, he's always got to outdo me, this bike. He's always got <laughs> to outdo me. But at the time, I've got to be honest with you, Anthony, I, I feared for your life because it's one thing to be on fire. We wear all the protective gear, we've got the fire systems on board. But nitro at 250 miles an hour with all that air, that fire must have been incredibly hot. And I remember watching you get out of the funny car and run over to the fireys, and you were waving your hands in front of them. Obviously, the heat uh, uh, had, yeah. had come through the, the gloves. Um, yeah. Just incredible for you to to manage to pull it up and and be so you know calm about the the whole thing in that intense heat.
9: Mm. Yeah. Look, the the thing with it is and you know, this is the thing about all these. Uh, that um, you know, some people go. You know, think things like these blindfold tests, and that sometimes I they think they're a waste of time. But you know, definitely in situations like that where you know your car, um, it definitely helps because it's right when you're uh, when you're blinded, your senses are are gone, and all I could feel was obviously the more time I spent in the flames the more the hotter my suit got and to the point where, you know, when I got out of that car it was almost unbearable. Mm. And uh and when I, I was talking to people later, um, you know, I was when I was over in America on a race a few years ago I was talking to the Simpson guy over there and he was pretty much saying, you know, those suits will be good for probably forty seconds in the flames. And uh, and I know I was in there for the best part of thirty, yeah. so m- possibly even more, you know. Um, but it's it's one of those things, you know. The adrenaline's there; it seems to kick in, and uh, when it kicks in, I think uh, it's like everything: your your mind, your body goes to another level. And I guess when it comes down to experience, the more experience you've got, the uh, the I guess the calmer you are, and the you know, um, and the, the more, the
2: better decisions you can make. Yeah, certainly. So so, yeah. No, it was, uh, as I said, I thought that one was a, a lot scarier. This one here, I mean, we got some great photos of it. Well, Phil Lawyer did. He's obviously captured the moment yep. and uh, made the front of the West Australian over here, uh, which is. Yeah.
10: Uh, I, I've, got to, I've got to stop you there, Nick. Mm. I've, got to, I've got to ask you guys, right? We, we The three of us are big drag racing fans. And yep. over the years, Carcraft, Hot Rod Magazine, National Dragster, uh, Australian Dragster, we've seen literally millions of photos. I, I'm going to put it to you guys that is the best blow up photo I've ever seen in my entire life. And for me, the quintessential part is the valve springs. <laughs> <laughs> Drifting off into the sunset. <laughs> Would you guys agree with that statement? I,
2: I do actually. I think, yeah. and, and I said it in our podcast last week, I think I'm, it'll be remembered as uh, that'll go around the world, that photo, for many, many years to come, especially with the internet these days.
6: Yeah, yeah,
9: yeah. Well, look, I got a, um, you know, I've, I got sent a screenshot um, of a paper in Germany. Yep. Um, that um, I had the three photos on it. I've, I've got it on my phone now that I was absolutely amazed with. I can't understand the writing. It probably says something like, look at this idiot. Uh, I'm not <laughs> really to sure <he> um, <laughs> You know, I couldn't say anything. But uh, I've got it there. So, and apparently that was a newspaper that somebody found in Germany. Yeah. Uh, and I'd spoken to some friends in America, who drag race in America, that reckon, you know, for the... The best part of that week later, um, every time that yeah. went anywhere near a drag racing, it was um, sight or there was um, they were going on about it. And and you know, realistically, I haven't. Uh, I guess we've seen some big blow-ups in America, and you know, comparing them against those, I think they're probably the same. Um, but I just think that the photo is what. Has done this and and said it all. Yeah. Because um, because you do get a lot of, uh, you do get there are a lot of blow ups that are probably not um similar to this. You know I think it um, this shows you know in Australia I don't think we've seen too many cars where um physically bodies especially nitro bodies have blown off like that and been turned into Swiss cheese. But I think it's probably, uh, possibly, um, we've been seeing it a lot in America probably over the last four or five years. And I I guess, um, you know, that car that we've got has got all the late model um, shoe marker seven heads and probably got a bit more comp in it, um, you know, bigger blowers, bigger fuel pumps. And I guess that's, you know, when you start to get to that, you um, you know you start having blow-ups like they have in america yeah. things are, are not quite right yeah, yeah so, right.
10: I, was, I was going to pull you up a, a little bit earlier when you said you got out of the car i think a better description was you got out of a chassis <laughs> there wasn't a lot left mate,
9: <laughs> mate that's the easiest i've ever got out of a car <laughs> <laughs>
2: All right, guys. Well, look, thanks for that. Uh, we hope you had a great Christmas and you're having a great new year. We are going to be back in 2020, 2020, and can't wait to have you all on board. Uh, we've got some more special podcasts heading your way, so don't be panicked, even though we're, it's Christmas time. We're not taking a break. All right, thanks for tuning in, guys. We'll see you on the streets. See ya.
0: Talk and Power, your motorsport and motoring radio show. Now on 88.5 FM, The Valley Comes Alive. And podcasting across iTunes and talkandpower.com.au.